Tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit for your life, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Contrary to popular thinking, it's the Christian who's the freest. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be a battle, but the difference is the Christian can win it by the Spirit's help. Why then are so many Christians losing the fight against sin? It's not because there aren't resources available. God's provided all that's needed, but they're not relied upon. More on that in a moment, but first, we want to welcome you to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed is in a series on the Holy Spirit. And today we'll visit Acts chapter 1 and be encouraged that the believer can live a victorious life in the Spirit. To tell us how, here's Pastor Ed starting off in Galatians 5. Notice what Paul says here in verse 16 of Galatians 5. He says, it's a command. It's a directive. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. That's the issue. There's such a battle going on in your life. When you choose to be fleshly, you will be fleshly. The spirit of God is going to take you toward him and toward the work that he wants to do in your life. He says in verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So, so what does the spirit look like in our lives? I think it's a great question. What do you mean, Ed? What does it look like to walk in the spirit? Well, jump down to verse 22. These are things that you can begin to look for in your life. The spiritual man, the spiritual woman, these are characteristics to look for. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or another translation says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The work of the Spirit in your life are going to represent these characteristics. You see, when you're walking in the Spirit, your decisions are going to go toward the Spirit. You're going to be making spiritual decisions. You're going to be finding God giving you the wisdom to handle the situation that's in front of you. You're not going to be blown up and flying off the handle. You're not going to be complicating or making things worse. You're not going to be running away and cowering in the flesh. You're going to be standing and enduring. And these characteristics are going to be flowing from your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. They're encouraged. But so much of the flesh in our lives, the flesh. Well, Ed, what's the flesh? The flesh is who we used to be. The flesh is how we used to do things. The flesh is taking things... In, the flesh is Peter before the Spirit. Just kind of standing in his own strength, his own wisdom, taking care of things. He had the same personality, but it was unrestrained. He made things worse, not better. And you'll notice back in verse 16, when you walk in the Spirit, mark these words. You shall not. Mark those words. Shall not. It doesn't say should not. 
It doesn't say better not. A better translation can be you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't. When you walk in the spirit, you won't be a fleshly person. You'll be a spiritual person. You'll be someone that have, have the characteristics and the marks of Jesus Christ abiding in your life. That's a promise of great importance that when you and I walk in the spirit, when you and I walk in the spirit, we're not going to be fulfilling the flesh. That means there's no more striving, no more going through religious rituals, that there's no need to, to work hard and try hard. You just relax and enjoy the presence of God in your life. And to me, that's a personal goal of mine. One that I want to cultivate and continue just to enjoy the Lord, to be caught up in his presence, to tune my ears to listen to him, to talk with him, to enjoy him, to enjoy my new relationship with him, to be reminded of what I was saved from. You know, when I wake up in the morning and do my devotions, I open up the Bible. It's not because I have to. I want to hear from the Lord for the morning. I want to hear what he has to say. When I turn my attention to him and just pray to him throughout the day, whether I'm stopping what I'm doing and quieting myself for an extended time of prayer or just praying all day as different things come up, as I'm driving, as I'm thinking, just praying. I'm praying not because I have to, not because the Bible tells me to, because I want to be in relationship with the Lord. I want to share my heart with him. I want to cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. I want to pray for other people. I want to pray for the difficulties that I've been ministering to or the situations that are coming up. I, I, want, to, I, I want to do that because I, I want to enjoy him. It, it doesn't take any effort, any energy to enjoy the Lord. It's sort, of like, it's sort of like putting on your favorite song. You know you have a favorite song? You guys have a favorite song? Does it take any energy or effort to enjoy that favorite song? It doesn't. I mean, unless it's country music, then... I grew up with country music. I was forced to listen to it. But think about it. You have your favorite song, no matter what genre it might be. It it doesn't take much to enjoy it. That's why you put it on. You put it on because you like it. You start singing with it. You start tapping with it. You mean you get caught up in the music. The same picture is with the Lord. You get caught up in the Lord. You get caught up in his presence, in his love for you. You begin to rehearse all of the wonderful things that God has done. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And his goodness is your reminder. It doesn't take anything to enjoy your favorite song. And listen, it doesn't take any effort to enjoy the Lord. You're just caught up in his presence. He's in you and you're in him. He's your friend. He's for you, not against you. Walking in the spirit is not an option. It's a command. But as we walk in obedience, we do so because we want to, because we get to. And might I just say this, as you're walking in the Spirit, you will not make a fleshly decision. You won't. You know what that means? That means if you make a fleshly decision, if you make a decision that's human and sinful, you made it, not the Spirit of God. You made that decision to go against the ways of God. You made that decision to disobey. You made it. And that's why God would call us back to repentance. God would call us back to a place. Listen, if you are planning on doing something against God's word today, don't do it. I'm just dropping that seed in you. If you are planning right now, it doesn't matter if you feel justified doing it. It doesn't matter if you figured out a way around what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if you found a technicality as it comes to this. It doesn't matter if it makes you feel good. And it doesn't matter if it is against God and his word. Don't do it. Walk in the spirit instead. Choose the Spirit today. 
Choose to go toward him. Choose to enjoy him. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants to change you on the inside, church. And he is as you cooperate with him in obedience. The work of the spirit is always an inside job. Always. He's in you and upon you in power to use you in a mighty way, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to establish you. Let me show you something before we head into communion. Would you turn over to Philippians chapter 2 with me, please? Philippians chapter 2. I believe you would do very well to memorize these two verses, to hide them in your heart, to deposit them in the depths of your heart so that you would not sin against the Lord. This is a promise of God when we come to this section that Paul is writing to Philippians, it's so glorious, it's so wonderful, it's so encouraging. When he says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Pause there just for a moment. Because so many people stop right here. You might have even done this and made this mistake yourself. Where you take a verse like this and you go, well, God tells me I'm supposed to work. So I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to do everything I can at church. And I'm going to serve in every other area. And I'm just going to work, work, work because I love God and I love my salvation. And I'm going to work with fear and trembling. I just want you to notice real quick here that it doesn't say you're supposed to work for your salvation. And it's also not a passage of scripture that says, you know, just go out now that you're saved, just go work and work yourself into the ground. He's talking about the new life that you and I have. Listen, church, we aren't saved by good works. We're saved by the grace of God. It's his finished work. But we are saved for good works. It's one of the things you can look for in your life. A changed life, a changed mind will change your behavior. And so work out, live a life that fears God because the fear of God will deal a death blow to the fear of man. When you fear God, you live with a holy, careful reverence of who God is, man, you're in such a sweet spot to be used by him, to honor him and to please him. So it's not just work, work, work. That's not this verse. Rather, just the opposite because verse 13 is the end of the sentence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now that is encouraging. Don't miss this. It says in verse 13, it is God who works in you. Now I want you to read that with me, in you. Ready? For it is God who works in you. Now make it personal. We're going to read it again, but this time say in me. For it is God who works in me. It is. It is God that works in me. It's God that works in me. He's deposited himself in me. The Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God dwells in us, that he's changing us from the inside out. God is not so much concerned how long you walk with him. Like the means of our spiritual growth is not measured in terms of transportation. Well, what I mean by that is you can't just say, well, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I've been saved since I was six. Hey, if it hasn't, your life isn't changed, it's time to allow the Lord to transform you. Not transportation. That's not, not as important as transformation. It's great that you've known the Lord since seven years, since you were seven years old. It's great that you've been a re- very religious person, but you don't reflect the characteristics of God. So what difference does it make? You're just religious. 
I'll tell you what difference it makes. God wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to change you and use you and transform you, like the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, into the image of Jesus Christ. No longer you, but him. Because it's God that works in you. God is working in you. You know, sometimes I think we forget that it's God. It's God working in us. We so easily forget in the everyday hassles of life that God is working. We so easily forget that it's God first. It's God now. And it's God in the future. Right? The Bible says that he is both the author and what? finisher of our faith. He is both the alpha, the beginning of the Greek alphabet, and the omega, A to Z, we would say. That God, he was there in the beginning, known you from the foundations of the, of the world. He is with you now and has promised to finish what he started in your life. It's not just God back then, and it's not just God in the future. It is God completely working in your life. Any good thing that comes from our lives comes from the Lord. Anything and the Bible says that he has promised to complete what he finished, that he'll perfect that which concerns us. It's God that's working. You know what that means? That means the pressure is off of you and me. The pressure's off. It doesn't depend upon all of you. It's not how much you can work hard and how much you can read and how many times you come to the Bible study and how many good deeds you... It's, it's not that at all. It's like flipping on your favorite song just flipping on your consciousness of the Lord, consciousness, like living with the consciousness of God. If you think about it, how many things happen to you and me in a day that are causing us to forget the Lord? Just the consciousness of God. It's not like he disappeared. It's not like he's abandoned us. But we live life sometimes like we have forgotten he's with us. Not only is he with us, but he's in us. And we've forgotten not only is he with us and in us, but he's also working in us through us. If you like to write in your Bible, circle the word works there in chapter uh, 2, verse 13. It's God who works. And right next to it, you can write the word energy. The Greek word is energio. It's where we get our English word energy. There is an energy inside of you. God is working in his person with his power. His power. It's not us trying. It's God doing through us by his spirit. And his plans for you are much larger than you even have. He loves you. <laughs> you think God loves you. He loves you as his own child, adopted you into his family by the blood of Jesus Christ. I would even go to, as far to say is that God is madly in love with you. He loves you in your family. He loves your kids and your grandkids. He loves you in your workplace, all the good that you're doing in society, all the hard things that you face, all the people that you help. He loves you. He created you, God did, and put you on this planet with a work that only he can uniquely accomplish. And you're not alone. And you're not on your own. God reminds us that we're in this together by his love. He's working to accomplish things in your life. All the load and the pressure is off of you, church, because he's working out inside of you. You know, we don't always know what God's will is. I know some of you, when we mentioned earlier that you're waiting, some of the things you're waiting for is like, God, what are you doing? We don't always know what the will of God is, and we don't always know what God is doing or how something's going to be accomplished. But we do know this, that God is for us, he's not against us, and he is working in us. It's God working. And because God's working in us, 
then we can believe what the Bible says is that God is working all things together for the good, for those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. We can believe that. That gives purpose and meaning in some small way until heaven, in some small way of how we're to deal with all the pains and setbacks and sufferings in this world because there are many. The world has fallen, touched and tainted by sin. And so don't beat yourself up over your own weaknesses and your own failures. Don't beat yourself up or what the Bible would say. Don't condemn yourself for the reality of your humanity, that you're not living up to some standard that's been created because you see yourself falling short all the time. God made you to enjoy fellowship with him. The work is done and over, and what's left is to enjoy Jesus in fellowship just like you do in so many other ways in your life, allowing him to work through you. Now, there's two things that he's doing that should just absolutely blow your mind and be received as gifts. Notice what he's doing. Number one, God works in you both to will, to will. Next to that, you can circle the phrase to will and write desires. God is changing your desires. Have you noticed that? God is changing your desires. Like the things that you want to do and the things that you're into now, you have new desires, new wants, new wishes. It's completely different. Think about it. Can you think back to before you were saved? Do you think differently now than back then? Yes or no? Amen? Anybody? Like I was thinking last night, Saturday night. Hey, on Saturday night, my desires definitely had nothing to do with being in church on a Saturday night. Or Sunday morning for that matter. I remember as a kid. I remember as a kid, all of a sudden, just immediately, we stopped going to church. We used to go to church, and in about the sixth grade, we just stopped. Never a word, never an explanation. But I'll tell you what, as a sixth grader, sleeping in and watching cartoons, fine with me. But man, I don't even need an alarm on Sunday mornings right now. My heart is so to gather with the saints. It's so to be a part of what God's doing, whether it's in this church or we're traveling somewhere else. I just want to be with other believers. I want to hear what God has to say with me. Think about your desires. They're so different now. Some of your desires are so different, it blows your own mind. You can't believe it. You're like thinking, I can't believe this. Like maybe, you know, when it comes to money, maybe there was a time in your life when you literally, you even voiced this, you might have written, wrote it on, a, on your mirror in your bathroom, you're going to be a millionaire. A millionaire. And you could already see yourself retiring at 25, sipping on a nice non-alcoholic beverage on the beaches of Kauai. And then what will we do in the afternoon? Well, maybe we'll fly over to Honolulu and do the same thing there. Millions, millions. It meant to you, it meant to you easy street and easy life. But now as a believer, God has taken that desire and maybe even that skill to make money. And now it's no longer for yourself. You find as much as you take in, you want to give away in the name of Jesus. You want to become a philanthropist. Did I say that right? I messed it up for service. You want to give it all away. It's easier to say that. It's not that desire or drive anymore to be very good and successful in what you do. The motive has changed. The motive has changed. Maybe at one time growing up, you know, your desire and dream job is to be a teacher. A very noble profession. Wonderful. Thank you for being teachers. But now as a believer, education to you has a whole new meaning. 
You don't see yourself as just being a good teacher and just educating the next generation. Now you see yourself as an ambassador of Jesus Christ in a very dark and difficult place to establish those kids with the love of Jesus Christ, teaching them two plus two at the same time. Everything changed. You're still doing what God planted in you, desire, but now it's for the Lord. Your desires have changed. You have different wants, different desires. Maybe at one time you wanted to be famous. You wanted to make music and be famous. But now, now you know that any success in your life, no matter what you do, is only to glorify and bring honor to Jesus Christ. You're still doing the same thing, but you have new desires now. He's working in you. It could be that you're very successful in what you do, as we mentioned earlier. But now the Lord's just spoken to you to turn your back on that and to go into the mission field for the sake of the gospel. So many new desires. Your desire to please God and to enjoy him actually came from God. And that's what he's working in you. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, earlier in the message, you pointed out that the big issue in many believers' lives is that they're depending upon the flesh more than the spirit. I was wondering if you'd take a couple of minutes to elaborate on that. Depending on the flesh. Let's define the flesh, Larry. Uh, According to the Bible, the flesh speaks of our old sinful habits. What we did habitually apart from God when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And basically, it just means relying on our own wisdom, on our own power. For example, if you have a money issue and you've got money in the bank, most likely leaning on the flesh, you're just going to write a check. Now, I have to say there's nothing wrong with just writing a check, but if you skip the step of praying and asking God to meet that need or asking God, like the Spirit is going to go to God first, not to our own resources. And there is such a temptation for us to lean on our own understanding, on our own experience, on our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own money, and not lean upon the sufficient grace of God. That the grace of God is sufficient for all of our needs, and we want to be careful. Where once we used to yell and scream to handle something, now we pray and wait. Once we used to get anxious and fearful, now we trust and obey. Once we used to fret, now we seek the Lord. And leaning on our flesh, our old sinful habit patterns, uh, is so easy to do. It's actually a comfortable place. Uh, I know you, some of you listening in, you know it's just comfortable. You kind of get that sense that you can control things, only to find out that living in your flesh not only is not controlling things, but it's actually making things worse, living out the consequences of disobedience. And through, through our Bible study, we're going to learn what it means to serve God, to live for God, to lean in, to walking in the Spirit so we won't fulfill the lusts of our flesh. So excited. I love this series. Thanks for that, Ed. And friend, what you just heard is one part of a study on the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to secure a CD copy of this message called The Power of the Holy Spirit in the Believer, give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. You can also find our studies online at calvaryaurora.org for instant access. We have something we'd like to give away to you today that will serve to help you remember what we've been learning here in our present series on the Holy Spirit. They're free bookmarks designed to help you remember the components of each spiritual gift. Slip them into your Bible or a book that you're reading and give some away to friends and family, too. 
You can download and print them out today if you'll visit calvaryaurora.org. Here in the month of August, we've picked out a resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called Living Water and authored by the late pastor Chuck Smith. Would you like to be filled with the Spirit and have the Holy Spirit flow forth out of your life like a torrent of living water? That can become a reality. Pastor Chuck will lead you step by step into this marvelous relationship with God made possible by the work of the Spirit as you read Living Water. Ask for a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your financial support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. We're continually asking the Lord to provide for this radio ministry, and often He does so through caring listeners. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Ed Taylor is the pastor of Calvary Aurora, and we invite you to join us for a worship service here during the summer. There's a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services at 845 and 1045. You can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We can tell you more at calvaryaurora.org. Glad you've taken time out for our study on the Holy Spirit. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora, Colorado.